0: the vocals singing. As we sing that, there's an angel, there's an an army of angels just singing that along with us right now in heaven. Joining us are millions and millions of angels singing hallelujah, hallelujah, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty.
1: Hallelujah, Jesus, we sing hallelujah. Come on one more time. We sing. Let the redeemed of the Lord sing, Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
0: Jesus, we love you. We love you. God, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your presence that never, ever forgets us. God, we're here crying out to you. And the most beautiful thing is that you respond, God. That you respond to our hearts cry this morning, God. You don't leave us knocking at the door. God, our hearts are knocking. God, and you always open that door. God, you always you always welcome us into your presence, God. God, as we seek, we find you, God. As we seek, we find you. God, so here we are. Here I am, God. Here I am, Jesus. Come on, just tell him, here I am. Here I am. Come on, if you're broken and you're hurting this morning, say, here I am. Come on, he wants you this morning. He couldn't wait for this moment. He couldn't. Tell him, here I am, God. God, I'm broken and I'm needy. that I'm hungry and I'm thirsty. God, but I need you, Jesus. I need you. Come on, and if all you can say is here I am or if all you can say is hallelujah this morning, come on, just spend 10, 15, 30 seconds just saying hallelujah. Say whatever you can to him, but talk to him in this moment. Come on, let him hear you this morning. Let him hear your cry this morning. God, we long for you. God, we long for you. God, but even more importantly, you long for us. God, you long for us. Jesus, you long hallelujah, for us. hallelujah. You long for- Praise Lord. the Lord.
2: I thought I'd come up close and personal today. Amen. I saw that. I didn't see you before. Amen. Well, we are going to. Oh, wait. I need a minute. I just need a minute. (laughs) We serve such a good God, don't we? He's a good God. If you haven't had the opportunity to know him that way, you're missing out on something fantastic and tremendous. Amen. Wow. We are going to be reading out of Acts chapter 8. We're in the book of Acts. I hope no one's going, oh, when are we getting out of this book? Yes. I can't pass preach from one of the other 65 books left, right? Pastor says that if you come on Wednesdays, you'll hear from Ephesians and Matthews and all the other books. <laughs> but Sundays, we're in the book of Acts. Amen. I enjoyed this last song because as we were singing it, I looked to the group in the front and I saw a little one singing hallelujah. She was writing, she was writing with the song, you know, she was like, hallelujah. And I'm looking at her and I'm like, I was so filled with joy. Just seeing her singing hallelujah. I, I, I and then I look and I saw my little granddaughter with her arms up and I was like hallelujah. <laughs> How wonderful. See. That's what it's about impacting the next generation to come with God. Let's read. Let's read. Let's read scripture. And I'm going to be starting with verse uh, 4. Let's start with verse 5. Okay. Hmm. Amen. And we read in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city, but there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria. Put your finger there. Just because it sounds good doesn't mean it's from God. Mm, that's why we need to be able to discern spirits, right? Right? Let's go on. Saying to himself, saying that he himself would, let me read that sentence again. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the power of God that is called great. Now, when Simon saw that the spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles hands, he offered them money, saying, give me this power also so that anyone whom I lay my hands uh, on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But but Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of the wickedness of your ways, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Now, when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. May God bless his word in our lives. Mm -mm -mm. So the title of today's message is The Spirit of the Gospel. See, because you can't have the gospel without the spirit. Maybe I have to repeat that. You can't have the gospel without the spirit. An atheist can pick up this Bible and read it from cover to cover, which we've known someone like that, who was an, uh, a proclaimed atheist and read, said, I've read the Bible from cover to cover, and I don't understand it. <laughs> I said, that's because you're reading the word, the black and white of the word, but you don't have the spirit of the word. And the spirit of the word is what gives us revelation. And so when we share the gospel of salvation, we need the spirit of God so that he can be in place to bring revelation to the lives of people that are hearing it. Otherwise, they say, oh, I've heard this before. It doesn't have an impact on them without the Holy Spirit behind it. You can't get away from this. You think that you can manage the gospel without the Holy Spirit? You're fooling yourself. Right? Otherwise, why would Jesus have told his followers to go and wait for the Holy Spirit? He could have told them, I've taught you for three years. Why don't you just go and and you know speak and teach what I've taught you for 3 years? You don't need anything else. He said, "No, you go and wait." You wait for the Holy Spirit to come. The counselor that I spoke to you about. Do you remember this? You might have to refresh your memory. He said, "I'm not leaving you alone, but I have to leave so that I can send someone. Someone is coming." The counselor who will lead you in all truth and in all righteousness he says, I have to go. But when the counselor comes, he is the one that is going to bring to your memory these words that I have spoken to you. Right? You following? And so, how many times have we come across an individual? who brings something to our attention about God, and all of a sudden, a word or a chapter or a a verse, something that we've read from the scripture comes to our memory. Has anybody ever experienced that? You know, I'm I'm standing there, I'm sitting there, and I'm saying, Lord, what am I going to tell these people? What am I going to say? And the word of God, the words spoken by Jesus... Comes to my memory. Now, who do you think is bringing that? You think this computer is infallible? Oh, no, this computer has crashed many a time. This computer is not infallible. What brings back to my memory the things that Jesus has spoken and taught is the Holy Spirit. We absolutely need the Holy Spirit. Well, let's talk a little bit about this chapter. I'm going to finish this chapter next week. But let's talk a little bit about the beginning of this chapter. And we're we're speaking specifically about Philip. Now, Philip, if you remember, or you might have to read this, Acts chapter 6, there was complaints, right, in the congregation. There were complaints that the widows... Of the Greeks were not being taught or were not being taken care of the same way that the widows of the Hebrews were being taken care of. Remember this? Right? And so they assigned seven men that were Hellenists. Hellenists. So, what are Hellenists? These were people who sympathized with the Greek culture. They were not Greek. But they sympathized with the Greek culture. They knew the language. They knew the customs. They were a Greek without being Greek. These were Hellenists. And so these men that were chosen, these seven men that were chosen, were Hellenists. So it it was just like the, the perfect thing because that perfect mix of people that were sympathetic to the Greeks and also was taking care of Greek widows, Philip was one of those seven but when they start uh, with Stephen, the, the chapter begins in the beginning, I'm sorry, with Paul and the death of Stephen. When there becomes this, the, comes about this great persecution in the church, everyone disbanded. Everybody went different ways, and so uh, except for the apostles. And Philip was one of those that dispersed. And the scripture tells us that he dispersed, and of all places to go, he went to Samaria. We've heard of Samaria before when we see that scene in the scripture with Jesus and the Samaritan woman. You remember that? If you don't remember it, go back and read it. It's important. And so here, um, Philip is in Samaria, and the Samaritans, what was this conflict between the Samaritans and the Jews? And it was because the Jews saw the Samaritans as half-breeds half-breeds, they didn't feel that they were fully Jewish because they had come together with pagans that, that inhabited the land and so they felt that their blood was mixed and so they used to shun them and they had a lot of discord, you know. Listen, in, in, even in the greatest moves of the Spirit, you're going to find people that are going to be complaining. It, it, isn't that something? And people that are in discord, even in the greatest moves. You would say, now, why, why, are they, why are people complaining in the moves of God? You find it everywhere. Go to any one of those sites, the, the RevivalRadioTV.com. They have everything on revival. And even there, in all those major revivals where thousands of people were, were being healed, I can assure you that there was someone sitting in the congregation that was complaining Because in a crowd, in any crowd, there might be people that are not in total agreement with what's happening. They're not happy that a paralytic is, getting, is rising. They're not happy that a dead person came back to life. They're not happy that those that are sick are healed. I just can't get it. Get into the groove of what's happening. With the spirit, you should be happy that someone else is being healed. You should be happy that people are being delivered. See? So we shouldn't have that. But there's always somebody that's going to be complaining in the midst of all of that. Things happen in the midst of moves of the spirit because there's people that are not connected, right? So the scripture tells us that Philip is in Samaria, and he begins to, by himself, because I kept looking, I said, wait. You know, usually you will find, you know, two, two disciples were together, or two were here, and two or more were gathered over here. Philip is by himself, and he's sharing the gospel of Jesus, by himself. So you see, you can do this by yourself. Where you share the gospel and something happens as you share the gospel. See, because it's, it's not about what you can do. It's about what God can do. See? And so I was listening to Michael um, Koulianis. Julianos K O U L I A N O S Julianos and Michael a spirit-filled young man Michael was was talking about how upset he was of what's going on in society today and so he was angry and he was he was in a retreat and he he's crying out to God and you know it's still the light the sun still hadn't come up it was not light out and it was dark and he's crying out to God and he's saying You know, Lord, you know, what are you going to do about what's going on here? He was upset. What are you going to do? And so the Holy Spirit told him to look up. And when he looked up, there was like a 12-foot cross near him. He hadn't even paid much attention to it. And he looked up at the cross, and the Holy Spirit told him, He said, I did my part. What are you doing? I did my part. What are you doing? And so as believers, we're seeing everything that's going on outside these doors. And there's this one thing, only one thing that we can do that will change the atmosphere of this country. And that's prayer. The one thing we don't want to do is pray. Is there anything else, pastor? Is there anything I could do? I'll put my vote in this box, and I'll vote for this party. Listen, no party. Every single party is corrupt, because wherever God is not supreme, man will corrupt it. It's it's the absolute truth. The the most wonderful person might want to run for office. And it will become corrupted, the work that they do, because there's still people connected that are corrupt. And so it's not where you put your vote. It's really where God instructs you to follow. And you only get that revelation and you only get that direction when we are in tune with the spirit. There's no other way around it. It's prayer is the only thing. That changes an environment. Now, those of you that were around in the 60s, I was just a little babe. I was. Yeah. If you were aware, who wasn't? If you were around in the 60s, you remember that there all hell broke loose in this country. Who remembers that? At the universities, you remember that? They were setting fires. They were doing all kind of protests. Listen, you young ones, you need to go back and look in the internet. All hell was breaking loose in this country in the 60s. The young people that were in college in those days, because there were dress codes for college, right? You had to be clean cut. You had to dress a certain way to be a part of a college scene. Well, they protested on the colleges, Because they wanted to be love children. They want to be part of the love crowd. You remember that? Free love? That's where all the sexually transmitted diseases came out of, right? Free love, drugs, having a great time. And they protested and they did all these things, set places on fire. And in the midst of all that mess that was going on in this country, the Jesus movement. Rose, right? The Jesus, and they started calling them Jesus freaks. It sounds familiar now, right? And so the Jesus movement grew, and and this is so many of these young people came to know Jesus because they got a revelation of God. It wasn't dry. It wasn't dead. They got a revelation of God, and so many of them, with their hippie attires and their hippie looks, (laughs) they came into churches because they got a revelation of Christ. And then on the other other side of it, the church didn't know how to handle them. Oh, these people are coming in, and they have a revelation that we don't have, and so we don't know how to deal with them. Because they came in because they were looking for spirit, the spirit of God. And there was a lot of dryness in the church. And so from all of those young people, that came to God during the Jesus movement, only 40% of them remained in the faith. 40%. So now that should be teaching us something that we need to get ready for the harvest. We need to get ready for the harvest because this society is prime for a revolution of the spiritual kind. This society is prime for a move of God and it's going to happen whether there's a few of us that are in tune to this or or many because the one thing about God that I love in the word is that he loves to do great things with a few people I love that where no one can say it was the masses that did it but we all have to say it was so God this was a God move God is the one that did this because no other way could we have done it. But God loves to if you want to you say this or not show off his magnificence and his greatness. When a few people say I'm all in. Right? I'm all in. I'm all in. When a few people say I'm all in. Don't stand in the sidelines. There's so many people who live their lives on the sidelines. Be a part of what God is doing. Get involved. You know, Pastor Jay uh, was saying, I think Wednesday you said this, that we had our 12-hour prayer recently, right? That was wonderful. How many of you were able to be here who can attest to this? It was wonderful. Wonderful move of the Spirit. Pastor Jay was saying that he went back to look, at the statistics of the city, and how was it that you said it? Pastor Jay said he did not find the shootings that had been happening weeks before during that period of time that we were praying that weekend. Things happened. And I remember when we were at RWC, and some of you that were with us then can remember this, we had a 48 hour prayer. Because things were happening in our city. And if you remember, during that 48 hours, there was not a shooting. There was not a killing. There was not n- no murders, nothing during that 48 hours. Because when we pray, when we come together and pray, if we could only be able to capture this. If you capture nothing else today. If you're able to capture this, that when we come together in prayer, we can do so much more than we could do with our human Strength. We can do so much more. God does so much more. Let's put it that way. God does so much more. And so, Philip, going back to the scripture, Philip by himself is sharing the gospel. And with the, God, the sharing of the gospel, signs and wonders begin to happen signs and wonders begin to happen. If you're going to go to the street and you're going to go dead, nothing is going to happen. Nothing is going to happen to help people, change people, nothing. You have to go with the spirit. And it tells us all the signs. And the youth, as as you're listening to this chapter, I want you to think of all the gifts of the spirit that you're seeing displayed in this chapter, right? I want you to see all the gifts that are being displayed here. And so, um, the, the people are, are being uh, set free. The paralyzed and the lame are healed, and there was such joy. There was such a reception for the good news. And so, in the midst of this city, we, we read that there's a man by the name of Simon who practiced magic, He practiced magic in the city, and everybody thought he was so great. He himself proclaimed himself great. And as I read this chapter, guess what I thought about? I thought about the Wizard of Oz. (laughs) I know, I know. There's a lot going on in this computer. I said, the Wizard of Oz. Well, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. I know most of you have seen the Wizard of Oz. And so in the Wizard of Oz, everybody in uh, Emerald City, I don't even remember what it was called. Emerald City thought that Oz was this big, powerful being. Remember that? And he proclaimed him himself. The great Oz. Remember that? And so we who are watching the movie finally understand that the so-called great Oz was only great in his own imagination because behind it, it was all an illusion, right? The smoke, the big head, all of this was an illusion and people still bought into it. And so whether we, we care to hear this or care to know this or not, this world at the point that it's in is in need of signs and wonders of the real kind. You understand? Because right now, they're being so infused with all this magical stuff that is all an illusion, right? And the enemy, like, really deceives people, but if you know God and you know the things of God, when they have these shows and the person is saying, You have an uncle by the name of Sam. Yes, I do. I, I absolutely do. And he died of tuberculosis in 1958. Yes, yes, he did. How do you know these things? I want you to know that the enemy knows everything about your past and your life. Scripture tells us that a guardian angel is set to watch us, guard us. The same way that we have guardian angels set to watch and guard us, the enemy sets one of his agents to watch and guard what we do. See? And so the enemy knows everything about your past, and he could know your present up to that moment. But the only one that knows our future is God. See, the only one that knows that is God. And so the enemy deceives people with all these illusions. Wow, all these psychics know all this stuff about me. Listen, they only know what they're able to see from your life. See? But God knows so much more. He knows so much more about us. And he knows the deepest, most secret things of our life. The enemy could only know the things that we do. He knows your actions. He knows your conversations. But he doesn't know the deepest part of your heart and the things you keep quiet that you share with no one. God knows them. He's seen the thoughts that you've had. The enemy can't read our thoughts. The scripture says that he throws darts at us. Bang bang bang. bang. He throws darts at our at us so that we can Grab on to these thoughts. That's why Paul says that we have to have the mind of Christ, and that we have to commit every thought to the Spirit of God, because that is what keeps the darts of the enemy from hitting, hitting home. See, he knows the things that you've done, so he tries to shoot at you the things that you've done and said. You're not going to go up there while they're while they're singing worship. Do you remember what you did last week? And he'll throw darts at you to remind you of things that you've done. But we in Christ Jesus know that we serve such a good, good father. He forgives us of every sin that we commit. He forgives us. That's why when you come and pray every day, you should come present yourself before the Lord and say, God, please forgive the sins that I've committed knowingly. And those that I've done because they're such a habit to me that I don't even realize that I'm committing these sins before you. Father, forgive me of those too and bring them to my awareness so that I will not continue to keep making the same sins. See how simple that is? Yeah. And so Simon sees the move of God in that city to the point that he himself is now touched by it And goes and baptizes, I'm getting baptized too. And so people are drawn to Philip. And Philip, you know, as I'm reading this passage, I could see him going throughout the town, sharing Jesus, praying for people. And there's Simon right behind him, watching. Watching. If I can watch this, maybe I can imitate this. And get the same results. But the one thing he knew. That he could not put his hands on anyone. And they, couldn't, and they would receive the Holy Spirit. He knew that. He couldn't do that. Now the scripture tells us. That at one point. The apostles in Jerusalem. Hear about what's going on in Samaria. And they send both Peter and John. See I found this so. Refreshing to see that Philip started this move in Samaria, but he knew that he needed to share this with leadership because there was a point there that Philip could not go further, but he needed somebody that could take this on to the next level. Do you know what I'm trying to say? He baptized people, he laid hands on people, people were healed, people were delivered. But now they needed an infilling of the Holy Spirit. And so he said, you know what? I better send messages to Jerusalem and let them know what's going on here. And I need help. See, I need help. And so leadership comes, and and they realize that people have been baptized and everything, but they had not received the Holy Spirit. Why is this emphasis on the Holy Spirit? We absolutely need the infilling of the Holy Spirit to make it from day to day. Absolutely needed. That is what equips us. It's like this. Let me give you this example. When you're speaking to someone about Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the scripture tells us, is just around everywhere. The Holy Spirit sees all things knows all things and so when you speak to someone about the holy spirit and they um are are listening and they they're inside within them they're quickened they're woken up the holy spirit is the one who takes a hold of that individual and takes them to the foot of the cross and they are getting a revelation of god Wow, this is who Jesus is. This is why he died, he came, lived, died on my behalf. Wow, the Holy Spirit gives them the revelation. And they're getting that externally. The moment that they receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit is coming to dwell because God wants nothing more than to dwell in us. Doesn't the scripture says that? He wants to build a temple in us. He wants to sit at the throne of our hearts. And so the Holy Spirit now comes to live in them. But God just does not leave us there. He doesn't say that's enough. You have enough of Holy Spirit. No. He says now I'm going to come and I'm going to cover you. I'm going to totally encase you in my presence. So not only do you see me internally, you feel me internally, but now as you walk anywhere that you go, my Holy Spirit goes with you, and it changes the atmosphere that you step into. See, I'm giving you that understanding right now, so you should, you know now, wherever you walk, Holy Spirit is with you, and he walks with you. He gives you grace, I'm telling you where, where you're thinking not, he gives you grace. i tell you what happened to us when we got on that plane. We were like, oh, Lord. These seats are like half the size of us. Yeah, I, listen, we're real. And the stewardess comes over and says, "With such a nice voice, right, honey? You got, come over here. I got a place for you guys. She gives us a whole row. We were spread out. She was so nice to us. Is there anything else you need? She was so sweet. I was like, pray, thank you, Jesus. And then I heard other people on the same plane say, What a nasty stewardess. She was so mean. And I was like, They're talking about the same. Yeah, they're talking about the same stewardess. They have no choice but to react to the grace of God that is coming off of you. They have no choice, yeah. and they're like, "Why am I being nice to these people, or why am I?" They have no choice because the Spirit of God that dwells in us is covering us, has encapsulated us in His presence. So wherever we go, I, you know, I was listening to some. I listen to a lot of revivalists. I love it. It encourages me, It sets me on fire. And so I was reading how um, I'm seeing his face. <laughs> Shamback. right? There was a point in his ministry that he was told by hospitals not to walk in there. He was not allowed to walk in hospitals because he would walk into waiting rooms and people would get healed in the waiting room. And so they were losing business. And they said, wait a minute, this guy can't come in here healing all these people. We're not going to be able to collect on any insurance money. So they banned him from going into hospitals. Just walking in his presence. Because the spirit of God went with him. Wouldn't that be wonderful that you're going someplace and God is going ahead of you? He's going ahead of you and you're concerned about something. And he's like, don't worry about this. You know, you're going for an interview and you're concerned... Oh, I'm not going to remember this. I'm not going to remember that. You know, what is this person going to be like? I heard that they are a tough interviewer. Ah, uh, you know. And the Holy Spirit goes before you, and the grace of God shifts the environment. The grace of God shifts the environment. I was hearing about a move in in uh, Europe, in in England where there was a lot of opposition with a law that was coming forward. And so this group of intercessors decided that they were going to go into like what we would call, you know, the House of Representatives or the Senate or Congress. They decided they were going to go in there and they were going to pray in the lobby. So the enemy said, oh, wait, I see some intercessors because they could point us out, too. And they got security riled up and said, no, these people can't pray in here. No, you're not allowed to pray in here. They said, no problem. No problem. So all they did was they separated. They started walking around the lobby like they were individual citizens, which they couldn't prevent. And they were praying in the spirit. Huh? Praying in the spirit. Mm. wonder what they're saying. See, because when we pray in the spirit, there's, there's purpose to the speaking in tongues and there's there's. When we look at the gift of tongues, there's three purposes behind it. The one is your prayer language. And every time you pray in the spirit, the enemy is, I'm going to say it anyway, pissed off. If I insulted your sensibilities, forgive me. He gets angry because they do not understand what we're talking to God about. And that upsets them. Remember, they only know what you're speaking. They don't know what you're thinking, and they don't know what you're saying when you pray in spiritual tongues. And so this is why, my brothers and my sisters, I encourage you to exercise your spiritual tongues. And if you don't have it yet, pray for it because you need it. God wants nothing more than to give it to you. And so you have spiritual tongues that are for your your prayer language. You have Tongues that the, that the Lord uses, excuse me, the Lord uses so that you can then relate to someone of another language, right? You're giving them a message. I mean, I've said this before, Times Square Church. You go in there, it's the United Nations. And at one point, they were having people jump up. People were just jumping off out of their seats, speaking in other human languages. Like you could have a Latino Speaking Swahili. You understand? An African-American speaking Mandarin. And people were saying, I understand what they're saying. That's my language. I know what they're saying. And these were not languages that were natural to them. But it was God giving them for a message for people. You understand? And the third way is when God uses it prophetically within the church where he, you know, someone will rise and speak in tongues and there's an interpretation of the tongue. It's a divine message com- that comes directly from God. So those are the three ways. So the importance and the need for us to be able to pray in our spiritual tongue is so important. That's such a, a weapon. See, the scripture tells us in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 through 6, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 through 6, right? It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have, what does it say here? Divine power. Which is this divine power? Who is this divine power? The Holy Spirit. To destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought Captive, Again, who does this? Who holds every thought? When you're getting those darts thrown at you, who is it that can hold every thought captive? The Holy Spirit. And it holds every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. So your obedience has to be complete for them, then for you to um, experience correction from the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit could try to correct you and you're like, no, 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 I don't care. I don't want to hear it. But when our obedience is complete and the Holy Spirit corrects us, checks us, wow, we respond immediately. We respond immediately to the Holy Spirit. And so the scripture says that as they laid hands on other people, Philip, um, not Philip, I'm sorry, Simon was watching and said, I want to do these same works, and so what can I pay to do this? Can I pay you anything so I could receive this gift? And he was rebuked. <laughs> he was rebuked because you can't put a dollar price on what God gives us because it's a gift. The spiritual gifts are intended for the growth and edification of the church. It's not something that you could say, well, God uses me in prophecy, and I'm, on, I'm only going to prophesy when I feel like it to who I feel like. Because then it's not then it's not a prophecy from God. Then it's your own flesh giving you words for people and you're doing it on an emotional level. You understand? When it is from God and is divine, you have to speak whatever God tells you to speak. And not your emotion. See? And so as I'm as I'm looking at what's going on also in the not only secularly, but in our Christian world, we're seeing through the internet, and I don't know why people feel a need to put this stuff on social media, but we're seeing this move now where people are disowning God and saying, I'm no longer a Christian. I no longer believe. Oh, I was never a Christian. You know, I get invited to Ellen DeGeneres' show, and all of a sudden I'm not a Christian, and my songs were never spiritual. They were inspirational. I wonder what that means. They were inspirational. And so we see a move, and look what the scripture says. First Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. First Timothy 4, 1 and 2 says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the, from the faith. By devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciousness are seared. Whose conscious, conscious, consciences are seared. This is what we're living. You know, we're actually living to see fulfillment of scripture. Where, as you read the word, you're saying, Oh my God, this is happening right now. And so, as, as people fall away from the faith, it, it is such a serious thing to get that close to apostasy. That, that You know, you're, you're, you're riding, like they say, you're riding the, the fence with apostasy. What is apostasy? That is, after you have known the truth of God, you deny its power, right? You deny Christ. So you, 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 draw, you get right close to that line of apostasy, and apostasy is that one place you don't want to be, because when you enter into apostasy, you also exclude yourself from entering the kingdom of heaven. This this is one of the things, the blasphemy that that the scripture talks about, this is one of those places and areas you don't want to go to. And so when I see people going on social media with their spiritual struggles, I say, why aren't they taking their struggles to their shepherd? Why aren't they going to their churches and saying, I'm struggling with my faith? And, uh, you know, a, a lot of the struggles that we have in our faith is because one major reason is because... We get out of touch. We're no longer reading the word, we're no longer praying like we used to. We don't congregate as often because we don't think congregating is that important. Pause. I don't know about you, but I need to congregate, and I'm going to tell you why. because there's days that I'm down. Yeah, oh yeah. There's days that I'm dragging myself in here and I'm like, oh God, just put me out of my misery. Take me home. You know? And then I come into the congregation. See? And then I start to hear what God is doing in the lives of people. And I hear the word. And I hear the worship. And I receive a word from God, and I am uplifted in my spirit. See? Don't trade that in for doing internet church. You do internet church when you got a cast on your body from your neck down to your toes, and you can't get out of your house, right? And you got no choice but to listen to something on the internet. But when you're able-bodied, you pick yourselves up even if you got to drag yourself in here. And you congregate because what you receive here within the body gives you the strength to go on the next week. I'm telling you, it gives you the strength. Well, you're not going to blow up at your coworker. You're not going to blow up at your boss because you're so full of the grace of God. You're walking on clouds, man. And you walk through the week and you're strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit because you receive that when you congregate. That's the only place. And so when you start to, to lack in congregating, when you pull back from reading your word, when you pull back from praying, you're so out of touch, you're out of the loop. And the next thing, you're hearing all these deceitful words of the enemy. He is, stru- he's like, oh, they're not praying. They're not reading the word. Oh, bam, 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 bam. This is like a rodeo show, man. Up, bam 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 bam, 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 They're shooting at you from up, down, left, right, up. I'm telling you. The enemy is bombarding you with thoughts. Bombarding you. I just needed one of those little right, but then they might have think that I was... Shooting somebody up in here. Bam, 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 bam. And so, <laughs> that's what happens when you don't congregate. We need to come together like the body. Because, yeah, those that are falling off, you know, I even look at them and I say, Lord, did they even have, ever have a relationship with you? And I dare to question this. Because the, the Lord says that I can't judge The loss, only he can judge the loss. But the scripture tells me, by your fruits we shall know you. Oh yeah, go read your word. I cannot judge the loss because that is left to God. But I can very well come to a conclusion about my fellow Christians because the Bible tells me that by their fruit they shall be known. So I could look at your fruit and say, mm, You are known. Hallelujah. Pastor Jay's bringing some bad influences in here. Hallelujah. And so, <laughs> I lose my thought. And so, where was I? Judging, right. So I would dare to say that they did not have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because once you have an experience with the Holy Spirit, you will never forget it. I'm I'm telling you, you will never forget when you have a genuine experience with the Lord. Time will pass. Years will go by. And you will remember with every detail the experience you had with the Lord. Does anybody know where I'm coming from? Or am I preaching to the walls today? When you have a genuine experience, you can't do that. When you have a genuine experience and you know God, the first thing you do is cry out to him, God, what's going on here in my life? Something is not going right because God does not step away from us. He never does. He wants us. He wants us. Who was it that said it? Uh, Reinhard Bunke said that man feels that they can live without God and they're okay with it. But God is not okay with living without us. He wants us. He loves us. He desires us. And so it's not God that steps away and said, oh, this is a hopeless case. Why am I wasting my energy here? Let me move on to somebody else. God never says that. We are the ones that step away from God. And when we step away from God, we begin to entertain deceitful thoughts. That's what the scripture says. Hebrews chapter 3, Hebrews 3, 12 and 13. Hebrews 3, 12 and 13. Take care, brothers. Lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Mm -hmm Mm-hmm. Chew on that one. That's a good verse. And what we do with one another... We encourage one another. We shake up each other and say, pull it together. Come on. Let's get to church. Sundays, Sunday afternoon, uh, afternoons, I usually tell you this. Sunday afternoon is my time that I, um, I go through every row and I see who I don't see. I look for who I don't see. And then I get on my phone and I start. Good morning. How are you? Didn't see you at service today. Hope everything is well. One little, one little blurb. One little blurb. And sometimes all I hear is crickets. Or oh, the cookie. Cookie? Cookie? Cookie. Right? Eh? How am I going to answer this? What am I going to say? What am I going to say? And sometimes it takes them a few days to come up with something. And that's fine because by that time I'm laughing about it. You understand? I'm laughing. I'm like, oh, Lord. It's important. I'm going to leave you with this verse. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I love this chapter of Romans It says, do not be conformed to this world. It's so much easier to be conformed to this world. Let me just do what everybody else is doing. That way I could fit in. Go read the Bible. Go look at the gospel of Jesus. And just see, Jesus didn't conform to anything of the day. He followed the Father. What is the father saying to do? This is what we're doing. See? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Be a Philip. But in order to be a Philip, that means you have to be willing to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That as you walk out, your heart loves the things that God loves. See, when we do outreach, we do it with the intention that we want to reach a soul for Christ. See? Now, shortly, you know, Denise Reed is coming. Mm-hmm. And she always asks this question in this congregation. How, what is it? How many souls have you won this year? Crickets, crickets. <laughs> cookie, cookie. <laughs> She's going to ask, how many souls did you win this year? So listen, if you want to be able to go like this when she asked the question, there's an outreach happening this Saturday. There's a method to my madness. Oh, yes, the computer's working up here. An overdrive, man. The smoke is coming out. There's an outreach this Saturday that gives you an opportunity to win a soul for Christ. Fill yourself up with God. Say, Lord, give me a soul today. I want to I win a soul for you today. Whether it's in your neighborhood, whether it's at work, whether it's, you know, with family. or. How many people here have family that's, that's lost, that has not received Jesus as Lord and Savior? That few? Wow. I think that everybody has some family member that either has stepped away from the faith or backslidden or someone who has never accepted the Lord as uh, the Lord. I mean, Everyone here has somebody. You have no excuse not to reach out to one person. Because she's going to ask that question when she's here next month. I think it's next month she's coming. Come and practice evangelism on Saturday. There's going to be a group of people around you so you don't feel like, oh, I'm doing this alone. You're not ready for Philip moment? Okay, you don't need a Philip moment here. But have a moment where you're surrounded by others who are equally seeking souls for Christ. Because we're running out of time. The clock is ticking. We're getting to that midnight hour, as we say. We're, We're down to the wire, folks. We are so close to the coming of Christ. And I know you hear this all the time, but he's closer today than he was yesterday. He's closer today than he was on the day you were born. He's closer today than the day your parents got married. He's closer today than he was even a minute ago, we have to work, the scripture says, while the day lasts. Right? Let us bow our heads and let us pray. First, I'm going to ask if there's anyone in the house who has stepped away from the Lord, you know, you've backslidden, you need Jesus desperately. I can't think of any of us that. Doesn't need Jesus in our lives, in our homes, in our relationships. If there's anyone that needs personal prayer, we're here to pray with you. We will pray with you. So if you need that, just raise a hand and we'll pray with you for that. Okay? Amen. We're gonna pray. So I'm just gonna ask Josh, if you, behind you, if you could extend a hand to, um, yeah. Katia and Anna, both of them, okay? And the rest of us, let us pray. Let us bow our heads. Father, we are so thankful this morning. We're thankful for your presence. We're thankful for your word that continues to grow in our lives every single day. A moment does not pass by that your spirit is not knocking at the door of our hearts. A moment doesn't pass by, oh, Lord, that you don't desire us and want us and love us with a never-ending love. We're thankful. We don't deserve it, Lord. We don't deserve your kindness. But thank you. Thank you, Lord. From the bottom of our hearts, we're thankful that you've thought of us to the point that you would go to the cross and die for us to cover us from our sin. We're thankful, Lord, for all of these things. I pray that our hearts, you know, our spirits are quickened, Lord, and our hearts are turned to you, that we love the things that you love and detest the things that you detest, oh, Lord. Let us pursue the things that, oh, Lord, bring you joy and happiness. And so, Father, give us a spirit of evangelism. Let us desire others to know you as we know you, Lord. Give us boldness to invite someone, Lord, to your house of worship. Give us boldness, O oh Lord, to speak in a moment of need. Give us boldness to pray for someone who, is, who doesn't have relationship with you and doesn't know you the way that we do. Give us boldness of spirit. And we will give you all the honor and we will give you all the glory for all that you do in our lives. For all that you do through us, we will give you the honor and we will give you the glory.